with that, we are in 1 Timothy. You are meant for more. This morning we're in 1 Timothy 3 to kind of get us going, to get us chatting. I want you to share at your table a video that you saw recently that you think everyone should see. Something that was funny, something that was informative, um, you, it doesn't matter if it's TikTok, YouTube, whatever. Um, what is something that you have seen recently that you think everyone at your table needs to see? A uh, couple minutes and go. There we go. Okay. Couple, couple quick. What, what came up? What's a video that you think everyone should take a quick gander at? This table's having way too much fun with this question. I will. The one we saw yesterday? Oh, oh yes, the party rock anthem music video to um, a country song that should not be done to. But anyways, yes. <laughs> Anything else? The sound of freedom. I haven't. I've heard mixed reviews. Good, very good. Okay. One more. I'm looking at these two tables. Everyone else has shared, so they're off the hook. This table got really excited when I said the Ryder game. They're like, yeah, no, don't watch that one. Don't do that. <laughs> Alrighty, no worries. Um, the reason I wanted to start off with that is it's really easy for us to see something in it for whatever reason. It's uh, funny, it's informative, it really touched us, and we're like, we need to share this, and everyone needs to hear, see that. But sometimes, when we're sitting in church, and the pastor's preaching a certain message, we can be distracted by saying, I sure hope so-and-so's listening to this, and not, and forget that God is actually trying to speak to us in the midst of it. Um, and I start with that, because this could be one of those passages. Um, First Timothy 3 is continuing on where we left off last week, talking about the structure of the church and how worship should be handled. And Paul gives Timothy some outlines of how church leaders should act and what the expectations of them should be. And it could be really easy for everyone else who's not technically in leadership to be like, boy, I sure hope the pastor's council listening to this one. Or boy, Pastor Matt, you need to step up your game. Right? Like we could do that. But it's really important, and what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to read the passage to you, and I want you to just listen and see the things that stand out. Because what Paul's going to do is he's not just talking about church leadership. Yes, he, that's the big thing he's focusing on, but he's tying it to family. He's talking about, he's not giving us a job description, he's giving us points of character. And one of the things I want you to think about as we go through this is how could your family be bettered? How could your marriage be impacted? How could your friendships be impacted if we grew in these areas of character? Because the reality is, is you may not have a formal church leadership position, but you are leaders. You do have influence, and it is so important, no matter what walk of life you're in, that our character be strong and godly and set an example for those that God has put in our life that are always watching. Because I guarantee you that people who don't follow Jesus, who don't know Jesus, they're watching closer than maybe we think. So, with that, I'm going to read 1 Timothy 3. If you have your Bible, you can follow along. 
Um, if you don't want to, just, uh, yeah, listen closely. Paul starts off with this, verse 1. This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be an elder, he desires an honorable position. Uh, I'm going to stop there. Often when we think of church leadership, we think of it as a burden. We think of it as something that's thrust upon us, or maybe we'll get asked to do it. But what Paul is saying is that this is something that we should desire. Because it's not a burden, it's not something that has to be done. It's actually an honorable thing to be asked to be in, in a position of leadership within the church. And so, and when he talks about elder, or your version might say leader, or whatever, whatever it says, um, some some versions say pastor. It's all the same thing. It's this leadership overseer. But if you desire that, that is a good thing. And uh, so I'd encourage you. You're never too young. We're always looking for the next generation to step up and sit at the table. But it's open to anyone. So if you desire that, that is a good and honorable thing. Verse 2. So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? An elder must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil might, would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced or fall into the devil's trap. <clears throat> so Paul talks about the elder in this. In our church structure, um, this would be the pastor's council. They are the overseers. They are the governance. They are pastor's council and me. So they are in charge. They oversee finances. They oversee the direction and the vision and where the church is going. Um, so Paul gives some pretty big expectations, but his big one is he parks on family, right? You need to be able to manage your family. Your, fam your kids need to respect you and look up to you because um, if your kids are crazy and wild and you can't, anyways, I don't need to unpack that. He says it pretty good right there. Um, <clears throat> so he's talking about overseers. Verse 8, in the same way, deacons must be well-respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest with money. They must, not, must be committed to the mystery of the faith now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. Before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, let them, then let them serve as deacons. In the same way, their wives must be respected and must not slander others. They must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything they do. A deacon must be faithful to his wife, and he must manage his children and household well. Those who do well as deacons will be rewarded with respect from others and will have increased confidence in their faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, so a deacon in our church structure would be our leadership team. And last, in the spring, I assembled this leadership team. We called our first meeting. We only had two leaders showed up because of life. And I haven't called a meeting since. So I need to work on that. <laughs> um, but the leaders would be the heads of ministry. And the major difference between the overseer and the deacon is the overseer needs to be able to teach. You look at these lists, they're pretty much the exact same, except the overseer, the, for us, the pastor's council or the pastor, 
need to have the ability to teach. The deacon or the ministry leader doesn't have to, but they still have to be able to manage their family, still need to be able to manage people well, they still need to be able to lead well. The one thing I wanted to point out, which I found really interesting, is both lists talk about being faithful to their wife. And what some traditions have done and said, you can't serve in leadership unless you're married. That's not actually what Paul was talking about. In that day, the Greek society actually taught men that you were to have three women in your life. You're supposed to have your mistress, who was your conversational partner, that, you know, you could engage in intellectual talk, your concubine, who was for pleasure, and your wife, who was to produce children. You're supposed to have all three of these. And Paul stands up and he tells Timothy, no, that's not God's model. God's model is one woman. That's enough. And all the husbands said, amen, because that's, all, that's enough. <laughs> I'm not going to say any more because I get that foot stuck in my mouth. Um, but these lists shouldn't look like when we look at it and it talks about the deacons and then all of a sudden has this side about the wives. It's not saying that only the deacons should have respected, respectful wives. The elders don't have to have that. No, no, these lists are to be seen kind of working together. If it applies to one, it probably applies to both with teaching being the exception. Um, anyways, so that's the list. And as I said, this is what is expected of us as as husbands and as wives and as leaders of our home and as these are character things that we should be looking at and growing in and being challenged by as we read through this list, not just being like, I hope the leaders are listening. Um, verse 14, I am writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Without question, this is a great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven and glory. Paul has successfully, in every single one of the chapters, brought it back to the gospel. <clears throat> and he brings it back and he says, this is the foundation. He says the church should actually be the foundation and the pillar of our society for truth. That as our world so desperately tries to find truth, and as people so desperately try to find their own version of the truth, they, everyone should look to the church because it's not that truth is subjective and it depends on your experience. And No, 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 no. Truth is truth. It's objective. It comes from God. And because we have the word of God, we should be the cornerstone of our society when it comes to truth. And we need to champion it, is what Paul is saying. And the biggest truth that we need to champion is the one thing that we all need to agree on, and that's the gospel. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, took off his divinity, became man, lived a perfect, sinless life, became the perfect sacrifice for you and I and everyone we ever come in contact with, died on the cross, took our sins, three days later, rose again, conquered death, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. This is the gospel. This is the good news that you do not have to carry your burdens. You don't have to carry your guilt. You are saved because of what God has done and what God has done alone. You can never act good enough. You can never say the right thing. It's not about you. It's all about him. 
And this is what Paul does. He's like, this is what the elders and the deacons need to hold on to. This is what the men and the women need to hold on to is the strength and the truth and the power that is found in the gospel and the gospel alone. And Paul is going to do this, and he does it through all of his letters. He always finds a way to bring it back to the gospel. It always comes back to it's not about having the most convincing argument. It's about the power of God at work in each and every one of our lives. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to you. You have the discussion questions on the table in front of you. Uh, you can take the next 10 minutes to go over them, and then uh, I will bring up some closing thoughts. Alrighty, I know we're having some great discussion and I want to encourage you to continue to have the discussion. I just want to give some closing thoughts so that we can wrap up the live stream. And, uh, but please do not rush off. Please stay seated, talking. Again, as I say every week, these are really important discussions. And uh, I hope you are being encouraged and challenged by one another as you learn and glean from each other's experiences. Um, because we all have so much to offer. Like I said, iron sharpens iron. I want to leave you with this thought. Um, <clears throat> we look through this list, and like I said, it's all character things. This isn't a job description. And you don't have to. You don't. You're not supposed to walk into every church and have the pastors' council or the board members have to sign off on this job description. That if you don't meet all of this, we have the right to let you go. Um, but these are character things, and we read through this list, and we're like, man, these are tough. Like, I don't know, what does it mean to have my kids manage my kids well? What does it mean to have my kids respect me because I look at this person and they see? <clears throat> and what happens is with every other philosophy, with every other belief system, they give you a list like this and they're like, good luck. <laughs> hope, you, hope it works out for you. But this is why Paul brings it back to the gospel. Because unlike every other belief system, we come at it from, we're not doing this alone. Because of what Christ did, he sent the Holy Spirit to come and to dwell within each and every one of us. And we now have the same power that rose Christ from the dead dwelling within us. And so I'm not righteous. I'm not good. My kids don't respect me. I don't have all this stuff figured out. I'm not gentle. You probably asked my kids this morning. I was not, gentle would not be the word they described as I'm trying to chase them out the door. Um, I can't do that on my own. The only way I can do it is Christ in me, the Holy Spirit in me, that soft voice being like, yo, Matt, you know, cooler a little bit. Because I'm not the only one. It's the same for all of us. The only way we can live up to these expectations is because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And we have to just quiet ourselves and let him lead us and guide us and give us the strength to be the men and women that God has called us to be. Because you Otherwise, if we just try to do it on our own strength, we're just going to feel beat up, let down, like, I can't do this. It's kind of the point. You can't do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. You need his help to give you the ability and the strength to overcome 